Hi family, my name is Mary, for those of you who don't know me. I'm married to Isaac King. I've been part of Life Church for just over two years now and I'm Australian if you ever wonder about my accent. So when I was praying for you today about what God wanted me to share with you, I was thinking about what people ought we to be and I felt the Lord just drop straight into my spirit a people who know Him and are known by Him. And it's from that scripture in Matthew 7, 20, 23, where Jesus is talking about not everyone who comes to him and says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. And he says, they're going to say, we did this for you. We did that for you. We healed the sick in your name. We cast out demons in your name. But he's really not impressed. <laughs> he's not interested. He says, basically, get away, depart from me, for I don't know you. And that word know is the same word that Mary uses in Luke 1, 34, when the angels come to her and said, you're pregnant, you're gonna have a baby boy. And she's thinking, okay, how is that gonna happen? And she says, for I haven't known a man. And so that word know is the same word and it just means an experiential knowledge. It means to know by firsthand acquaintance and personal experience. So it's not, a secondhand relationship it's not knowing of it's not knowing about it's face to face and it's personal and it really reminded me of John 15 where Jesus is talking all about this abiding and this oneness that we get to have with him and it's really a call to his disciples who he's teaching he's saying let my words remain in you, abide in me. So it's, he's all about this knowing and this closeness. And he gives that picture of the vine and he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And without me, you can do nothing. And I thought about that. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Because in Matthew 7, these people had done all these things, yet without him, we can't do anything. And I said, Jesus, why? was that that you were so displeased and not interested in all these things they'd done for you and straight away i just felt in my spirit him say because i'm not interested in fruit that hasn't come from abiding in me because that fruit is actually false fruit it's not genuine the only fruit that he's interested in is the kind that has come from closeness with him and knowing him and he gave me this picture of like if you could cut that fruit open the fruit of abiding, what you would find is Christ. But anything outside of him, if you cut it open, you might find pride or selfish ambition or striving or self-effort, any number of things. And he is after the relationship. And a few verses before that in Matthew 7, he says, you will know them by their fruit. So he is so after the genuine fruit that comes from knowing him. And so we can have this knowledge, we can have this awareness of, yeah, I am one with Christ. I died with him, I raised with him, I'm raised and seated in heavenly places. Christ in me, the hope of glory, that he is in us, we are in him. It's this divine mystery that we're completely united with him. And we can read the story of Mary and Martha and agree that, yeah, Mary chose the better way. She sat at the feet of Jesus while Martha was distracted by all these things that she felt were really important, but Jesus wasn't asking that of her. And so I just felt that what Jesus really put on my heart was just to bring us back to his feet 
and anything like Martha, anything that feels more important than Jesus is actually a distraction. And we can also kind of know about Jesus or know about God, but not actually be relating to him one-on-one. -on -one. And we can almost try and have a relationship with him through other people, through other people's relationship and closeness with him. And it's so amazing that we have teachers and we have preachers and we have YouTube and podcasts and books, but if that's our bread and butter, then something is out of order because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is in you and he died that he would have a personal relationship with you, not a secondhand one through someone else. So I think in getting kind of practical, the first thing I would say to really build this connection is to just create space. And Jesus loves the space. It doesn't always have to be big loud prayers or huge moments in worship. They are so beautiful, but he loves the waiting. Even in Psalms, it says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And when I was looking in um, Exodus at the story of Moses, when one of the many times he's gonna go up the mountain and he waits at the foot of the mountain for six days, nothing happens. And then on the seventh day, God says, okay, come into, the, come into my midst, come into the cloud. And then he's in the cloud, he's at the top of the mountain, and it's 40 days and 40 nights. Nothing's happening. He's just in the presence of God. And then God spoke. And I was so challenged. I thought, oh my goodness. Okay, maybe I can wait 10 minutes before I put Netflix on and like give that time to God and create space where it's not just me pouring out my heart and then leaving the conversation or maybe waiting 30 seconds and see if God says something. And then if he doesn't, okay, maybe you don't want to talk to me about this right now, but actually creating space. And I know that can be so tricky with maybe you've got young kids or you just have a lot of responsibilities. But I would say that because spending time with him is Jesus's priority, that he has a strategy for your life and for your world. And just like Martha, who was convinced that what she was doing was the most important thing, Maybe there are things in our lives that we're convinced we can't make space for or that we can't give up 10 minutes for, but really Jesus needs to be the priority. And the second thing I wanted to encourage you with, if any of you are feeling, oh, I don't really hear from God, I don't have that kind of relationship with him, um, that it's really important in actually building the closeness to release any negative beliefs you have about your relationship with God and his desire to connect with you. Because if we're holding onto negative beliefs like that, it's kind of unlikely that we are actually gonna hear him speaking to us because we don't believe that we are. And God gave me this picture. It's like we have an internal radio. And when we believe lies, when we believe things that aren't the truth about him, it tunes us to the wrong channel and we can't really pick up and hear what he's saying. But when we align ourselves with the truth, which is what Jesus said, um, my sheep hear my voice, when we align ourselves with that, we get tuned to the right channel and he static clears away and we can hear him so much more clearly. So I just encourage you to give yourself a clean slate today, a fresh start, that the truth is that it is God's desire and intention to have a personal, deep, connected relationship to, with you where you hear him speaking to you and you know his desires and intention for your life. And I just want to 
finish by reading Jesus's prayer over you. Uh, just a few verses from John 17, where he's praying over everyone who is ever going to believe in him in the whole world. So this is his desire for you. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. So I bless you to connect deeper with God and to clear the slate and to hear him well. Hi everybody, my name's Jenny and I've been around Life Church Bath for quite a long time, but some of you may still not know me. Um, just speaking about what kind of people ought we to be, and it kind of set me on a journey because when I looked at 2 Peter and looked at some of the things that it was talking about, um, some of them are quite dire and some of them are, are about the society, what society looked like for then, which you know is pretty similar to what society looks like for us. And it started me on a little bit of a journey of, so what is Peter and actually New Testament scripture saying? Um, one of the things, uh, three, 2 Peter 3.18, is grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And that started me on a journey of how do we do that? It sounds great when you read it, but how does that actually work in practice? And I then looked at um, Colossians 1.15, and I'm just going to read this out. I think it's an amazing passage. Who is Jesus? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And that's a passage that I certainly have reflected on over the years of, do we really understand that Jesus was there in the beginning and he's been holding the very existence of the world through all eternity up to today and beyond? Um, I then was looking at uh, different verses written by Paul and Peter of what kind of people um, we're encouraged to be. And I'll read some of those out. Holy, spotless, blameless, godly, kind, gentle, goodness, full of goodness, self-control, perseverance and love. And that led me to Philippians, five, uh, Philippians 4. Um, which is really about don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. And finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right or pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, 
think about such things. What we think about, what we believe, where we put our mind, where we hold our thoughts is really where our heart goes. And if we are focusing in these days on the worries of the economy, the worries of COVID, the worries of lockdown, the worries of social distancing, people that feel lonely in their homes because they live on their own. There are a lot of things that um, society has not seen um, globally. This is, this is a new era that we're experiencing. But if we focus on what the press is saying and what is being said around us and the fears of that, then, then we're tilting ourselves towards um, a way of looking at things. And what we're not doing is saying, you know, Jesus, you made the world. And by your death and resurrection, uh, diseases overcome, loneliness is overcome, all these problems, the economy. Whose, whose hands is the economy in? It's actually in the Lord's hands because he, he owns everything, whether we give him credence for that or not. So where we sit in terms of our belief system or where we put our mind and where our thoughts go is actually really important. In neuroscience, what, what they have discovered in neuroscience is where, you, where your habit, habits of thinking go and where you concentrate on is what becomes easier and easier and then when something happens you just go right there. And um, part of what Romans 12 verse 3 is talking about is be transformed in your mind. It's, it's a choice that we have. Are we going to focus on who Jesus is, on who the Father is, on who the Holy Spirit is? Are we going to tune into truth, which by the way can be found in the, in the Bible, as well as our own personal experience? Are we, are we putting our mindsets on what the Bible says about God, who he is, what his characteristics are, and um, who he is to us, how he feels and thinks about us. Can we really trust him? Um, if we can begin to rechange our thought patterns to start focusing on what scripture um, begins to say to him, then coming back to um, knowing and growing in grace and truth about our Lord Jesus Christ, which is in Peter again, um, our, our shifting and our gearing will start to go to what uh, we know about him. How do we make that very personal? Because we can read a lot, we can know a lot in our minds, but it's really about heart, heart knowledge. It's about how do we know Jesus personally and who he is to us. Um, I'm gonna throw a question straight back to you. And my encouragement to you is, if there is an area that you feel you don't know Jesus in, I don't know how many names of Jesus there are in, in the Bible, but there's a lot, because I have a list of, of them at home. And one of the questions that I throw out to people on, on the um, training that we do sometimes, is why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to ask 
um, on your behalf. Who is Jesus to me? Jesus, who do you want me to know you as today? Because it will be different for all of us. Um, I had to work through, is he my provider? Is God my provider? So my question turned round to, to Jesus, can you show me how you are my provider? How, how we hear and see God is very unique to us. We can be trained, we can be taught about it, but a lot of it is discovery. How I communicate with Paul, my husband, is not how I com would communicate with somebody else. And we have to, in intimacy, we have to learn our personal interaction with the Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, um, in the way that we hear him and he hears us. So I would just throw it right back to you and just ask yourself the question, who, who or what, how do I need to know you? How can you show me part of your characteristic, part of your personality that I don't know yet? Overall, God is a mystery, absolutely a, mis a mystery. And I don't think in this lifetime we will ever know fully. We see in part and we know in part now but let's make the most of knowing and seeing in part in these days. So, ask him to show himself. Who do, who do you want to show me that you are today, Jesus? And by the way, when he answers it, um, journal it, write it down, ask for scripture to back that up, because what we know with our minds in the Bible and what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts, so the combination of both, is when we get a revelation that will never change who we know God to be for us personally. Um, so that's, that's over to you. Good morning church. How are you doing today? Uh, extraordinary how the weather seems to have turned. It is already autumn. Uh, even though it's August, somebody who works for me actually has put his central heating on, which is very disappointing for August. But um, it's great to be with you. Uh, it's a pleasure, it's an honour to share with you. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Jake Wright. I'm one of the trustees here at Life Church Bath. And I wanted to share on what is my favourite word, not just in the Bible, but in the entire dictionary. And that is the word hope. It's an obvious thing to say, but 2020 has been a really very, very strange year. I know that's stating the obvious. Everything I knew has changed. Six months ago, I was going into work. Six months ago, my girls were going to school. Six months ago, I had a routine. Six months ago, I could go to visit friends at the weekend. I could see people. I could come to the forum on a Sunday. Everything was relatively normal. Now, I am constantly being bombarded when I turn the news on of tragic deaths because of coronavirus. I'm hearing about the economic toll. I'm hearing about job losses. We're hearing about confusion about school results. We're hearing, frankly, I don't quite know who I'm allowed to see, who I'm not allowed to see. It's all really very confusing and difficult. And in amongst all this, I completely understand there are people there who don't know whether they want to go out, don't know whether they want to go back to normal, all those sorts of things. And I completely get that there is complete uncertainty and even fear for a lot of people. So I want to say right here, right now, that there is a verse in the Bible that is quoted many, many, many times. 
that is incredibly good and incredibly true, which is why it's quoted all the time. And it is Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Let me read it for you. You will know this verse. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. And let's just pause there a moment. Declares the Lord. Not says the Lord. Declares the Lord. This, he's not just whispering this. He is shouting from the rooftops that he has a plan for you. He has not forgotten. There's a trumpet fanfare going. There are party poppers going everywhere. God is saying in as loud a, word for, as loud a voice as possible, I have a plan for you. And what is this plan? I have a plan for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for calamity. Plans to give you hope and a future. The plan that God has for your life is so good and is so positive that you can have hope. And that's what hope is. Hope is about having a confidence in our future. Hope, no, hope comes from knowing who you are in God. There is another chapter in the Bible, Hebrews 6, verse 19. Again, I'm doing all the classics here, but Hebrews 6, verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, and we are secure. It is because of what Jesus has done. It is because of knowing Jesus that you are firmly rooted, your future is firmly rooted in heaven. And that can give you a confidence for where you are today. You are rooted in heaven. You have an anchor in heaven. But I don't just believe that that means we have a hope for the fact that one day we will go to heaven. I believe that gives us a hope for what we can do right here, right now, today on earth. Because again, going back to Jeremiah 29, 11, I have a plan for you, declares the Lord. That's all great. But it, as I said at the start, there are some people who are feeling that it's difficult. And I completely get that there will be people who are feeling challenged, that there will be fear, that there will be confusion, and that it's really difficult. So I want to give you three, uh, three keys for how to get hope. And they will spell out hope. You might wonder how I'm going to do that, given that hope has four letters and there's three keys. I will, be, I will get there very, very quickly. But there are three keys for how you can move in to hope. The first key is H and O. You have to be honest and open. Honest and open with yourself that you are struggling. It is impossible to know hope unless you are honest and open with the fact that you're having a tough time. I am a, um, a finance director for a large, uh, a large business. We have 500 dental practices around the country and I'm gonna be really honest with you and really open with you. There have been days during this lockdown where I've really struggled. I have felt completely overwhelmed with the amount of decisions I had to make. I felt completely overwhelmed by the people I had to talk to. I felt completely overwhelmed by the fact that Zoom calls start at 7.30 or Microsoft Teams calls start at 7.30 and then finish goodness knows when. But it is in that moment, it is in that time that I have to be open and honest with myself and say, hang on Jake, you're losing perspective here. You can bring back focus and that is when I ring a friend. 
No more difficult than that. I ring a friend and say, look, I'm struggling, can you help me? Or I ring a work colleague and say, I'm struggling, can you help me? And if you're feeling brilliant, be honest and open and ring someone else up and say, how are you doing? Are you doing all right? Can I help? Can I do anything for you? So the first key is to be honest and open with how you are doing. The second key, just finding my notes, is P. And P is obviously we need to pray. We need to come to God. It's great being open and honest with friends, but we need to come to God. Prayer is easy. I know lots of people talk about prayer, but prayer is really easy. It is talking, listening to God, and spending time with God, and then listening to God. Really important, the listening to God. I found that when I've had these moments where I've said I'm really struggling, work is getting on top of me, that I've put worship music on. I've just put my AirPods in, put some worship music on, normally quite quiet ones, though sometimes I've put some louder ones on, but I just spend some time with God. Psalm 42, Psalm 42 is a fantastic psalm. It says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been, have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. And what I'm finding that every single time I put worship music on and I go and talk to God and I go and tell him how I'm feeling, that something stirs up in me. Something comes into my spirit. There is a refreshing in my spirit. I go, it's okay, I can get through the day and it brings everything into context. So pray. But prayer isn't just spending time with God, it is also listening to God. We sometimes, I especially sometimes forget that. I do the talking and then I finish. But I believe God is saying in this moment that prayer is also about listening to God because he wants to talk to each one of us. He wants to reveal his plan for us, the plan to prosper us, the plan to keep us safe, the plan, his great plans for us. So let's pray and let's keep in listening to God. The third key is E. We need to engage with God. He has an amazing plan for you. But what I have found is that he is not a magician. He doesn't just suddenly go and make it happen. He uses us to make his plan happen. What I believe is, he is, what I believe is God is saying to us, what God is saying to us is listen to my voice for the next step for your life. And then we engage with him and we take the next step. And while we are taking that next step, he will then say, and this is the next step, and this is the next step and this is the next step, and we keep taking those steps with God. Sometimes he will give us the whole plan, but that's generally, in my experience, quite unlikely. He normally tells us what the next couple of steps are, and then we engage with him, and we step out with him, and we see things happen.
So those are my three steps for you. Those are my three keys for you. It is H and O, be open, be honest and open, otherwise I've spelt hope wrong. Be honest and open with how you are feeling, with people, with yourself and with God. Go to God, go to Jesus and pray. Spend time with him, relax with him, talk to him, but really importantly, listen to what he's saying. And then engage with him, engage in what he asks you to do. Because as we do that, as we start engaging with him, as we walk out what he is asking us to do, I promise you, faith will start to arise because you will start to see things, I will start to see things, we will start to see things happen in our life and faith will arise. And as our faith arises, so hope will come into all the difficult circumstances we're feeling. So be honest and open, pray and engage. So church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have a plan for our lives. Thank you that it is a great plan. And thank you that you are telling us in as loud a voice as possible, with all bells whistling, with all party poppers going, with all trumpets blazing, that you have a plan for our lives. Even in the midst of all the difficulty, you have a plan for our lives. And Father, where we have forgotten to come to you, we say we're sorry. Where we have spent time thinking about what we need to do but not coming to you, we say we are sorry. And Father, in this moment, right here, right now, we say thank you for having a plan for us. And we submit ourselves to you and say yes and amen to that plan and say we want to come into it more and more and more. And Father, where, where, people, where we feel that we haven't, where we feel that we have lacked, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you come in and you anoint people, you refresh people, you make people feel whole again. And Father, I pray that there is just a peace in people's hearts, that they can hear your clear voice speaking to them about what the next steps are for their lives. And Father, I pray that as they hear what those next steps are, that they engage with it in the name of Jesus. And then Father, I pray that hope arises, that faith arises and that hope comes in the name of Jesus. Amen. So thank you for listening, church. Uh, have a blessed week. Speak soon.